Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of sticking with your buds no matter how amazing they might be. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this week we are doing another segment on our Saying Yes series where we try to do everything we can. We lean over backwards. We go out and we pick up your, your sister from the mall and bring her home just so that your character can be in this game. So what we're doing here is we're working with troublesome characters. Not players. <laughs> but troublesome characters. Characters that don't necessarily fit well with your group. In a game like Fringeworthy, it makes sense that you would have characters that wouldn't necessarily fit together well because the people who are in Fringeworthy are randomly chosen. I mean, they're only one out of 100,000 has the Fringeworthy capability, so that means you're going to have an eclectic group when you form a team. Now, sure, they're going to try to do a little bit of typecasting, whatever, you know, try to fit people together so you don't have the black power guy with the Ku Klux Klanner, but there's still lots of other things that could really cause friction in a team. So we wanted to present some really extreme characters and talk about how these characters could be managed so that they could still work together in a team. From the stuff that I've seen posted already on our TriTech game site, we've got some really strange, extreme characters. Probably not all of them would be in the same team, but we're going to talk about it as if they are. And we are going to primarily be talking about Fringeworthy because of that eclectic aspect. But really, working with difficult or extreme characters is something you're going to run into any game that you play. The same concepts that work here will really work at any game. So we're really hoping to give you something that you can bring to your game, no matter what game it is. And we really hope it's Fringeworthy or one of the other TriTac games. So who wants to go first? Bruce. All right. And I read yours. I like this one. So <laughs> share with us, please, sir. Scratch is tribal. Covered from tattoos from her toes to her scalp, adorned with a few pounds of piercings of questionable sanitary positioning, she is striking. She spoke a pidgin of Slavic, uh, Chinese, and French-African before her first trip through the portal. She still does, perversely. None of the recruits know anything about her past or origins, something she joined to avoid a prison sentence, but that's just too conventional a reason to be true. The only truth is that she sees and hears everything. She networks worldwide with a computer pad, passing receiving pictograms between fished email addresses and ephemeral URLs. She's also a tagger. She leaves marks on everything. Occasionally a beautiful logo, but mostly seeming chicken-scratched abstractions. Scratch does not like imposed changes. 
She can learn to wear full body makeup, especially since most cultures accept women in pancake. But she will find playing a role dreadfully tiresome. Her first team was surprised to discover she was pretty once all her tasks were covered. Who do you mean, she said? Everything that is me is gone. She has the potential to be a great leader. Her concentration and attention to detail is superb, but she lacks the patience to make bridges to her teammates. She has lived her life in a world where patience is not a virtue. It's an abdication. When assigned to a team, she got out a chessboard. In exactly three moves, she declared herself a winner or a loser with each team member and never played the game again with any of them. She's passionate, but seems moody. She's flexible, but seems mercurial. She's loyal, but she seems off-putting. She's alone, but she demands attention from everyone. Sounds like Wild Child. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I kind of thought about all these characters that I've seen in a lot of shows, and especially Japanese animation, where they seem to come out of some weird background where they're thrust you know, as a fish out of water and they refuse to give up their sense of personal identity. But at the same time, they have to make a meeting ground with the other people. That's where this character came from. Here's a character who does not even communicate the same way that most of the other teammates do. She's practically nonverbal because she would prefer to communicate through her computer pad. She has all kinds of in-references with other people who's in her very close groups, which were scattered over the world. But now she's thrust with a group of people and she's cut off from them. She's by herself when she was part of a community. She's a fish that's been put into a fish bowl. And so she's going to be desperate to make connections to other people, but she's not going to know how to do it because they don't have the same communication skills that she does. They don't use the same methods that she does. You know, uh, Bruce, I kind of see her as a rebel without a cause. Uh-huh. You know, she wants to rebel against everything, and, and she, you know, she's always trying to make her way. And get her way. Get her way. And... She, I can see her as being a big pain in the butt. Yeah. Like the chess thing. That I don't know why that hits me the most, but it does. You know, she either declares a winner or a loser in three rounds. So it's, it's like she doesn't dedicate to the game. It's not about the game. She hasn't won yet. But she's like, oh, I'm going to win this game. So I've already won it. And it's annoying because it's like that's not what chess is about. She always takes things on her turf. Everything's on her turf by her rules by, you know, the level of importance that she puts on it. She's urban tribal, I would say. Yeah, yeah definitely. Bruce, I know a lot of people like this. It's a lot of the group that I hang out with from time to time. is, is uh, There's several of these, and they are very annoying. They, they can be extremely annoying. Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, Bruce, is she young? has to be young, right? She doesn't have to be. This is a trait that you find in a lot of very young people. She could be anywhere between 18 to 39. Well, she could be, but when you see it in like a 39-year-old, it's actually kind of sad. It's okay in an 18-year-old. You can excuse it. Well, she doesn't need excuses. In her group, she's totally the, the ruler of the roost. No, I get that. I get that. But I'm saying that that in in polite society, as it were... 
it seems to be something that's more excusable in a younger person. And, and if, it, if it's seen in an older person, it's, it's actually seen as kind of sad. And that's a problem. Right. Okay, my whole thing with this, this pigeon Slavic French, is this from modern day Earth or is she from an alternate Earth and Idet found her? Well, she could be. Basically figures that she's somebody who's from Europe and she's done a lot of traveling. And so she's sort of made up her own pigeon. And that way she communicates with people all over the place. And again, it creates that kind of in language where if you're in her small close group, you understand all the, uh, the vocabulary that she uses and you're fine. But outside of the group, she could push people away by being incomprehensible to them. Linda has posted this to a picture. I would say sounds like it's a good match for her appearance. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> Bruce has got to give, give the blessing on this on that one, though, because it's, it's his character. That's the chick from... I love Doomsday. Doomsday, that's it. That's a pretty good movie, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good example where she has it literally from, you know, all over her face and all over her body. It isn't just one picture. It's a collage. Every inch has been tattooed. And to her, they're all meaningful. They all are important. She covers up for practicality, but other than that, she likes to expose it. She wants people to see her. She wants to be seen. She wants to express herself. She's into the shock value. She likes the look of seeing, oh my God, there's this woman with tattoos on every square inch of her body and her tongue is pierced and she's got cornrows. Oh yeah. Trying to dress her down, she would probably get violent. Be like, no, I'm not wearing these clothes. This is me. You don't like it? Tough. She won't do it unless it's necessary. Right. I, I'm saying as, as her character would have to be willing to do what is necessary. And she's not a psychopath. I mean, she has grown up somewhere. She, you know, she has lived in society. So she has some ability to be a chameleon, but not, you know, as anybody is. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's going to be something that's going to grate against her. And she will, you know, look for ways to express herself, to reveal herself, even when she's forced to cover up. I'm kind of reminded of the Next Generation character, Ro Lauren, played by Michelle Forbes, the Bajoran that, even though she was straight Bajoran, she still wore the Bajoran earring, despite her being in Starfleet. Uh-huh. Picard just let it go because it realized it, she realized it was part of her cultural identity. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm seeing this character as. Except she isn't as wild and out there as this one is. But still, that, yeah, I'm going to, even if I have to blend in, it's not going to be 100%. You're not getting that 100% total fade in with the rest of you. Right. I'm going to be me. Oh, and she could have problems with her piercings. Uh, one of the fads around here in, C in the Seattle, Seattle Portland area are people who, who insert these tubes into their earlobes. And when I say tubes, I see one guy with tubes that are a good inch across, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, which means you have the, you have those loops. You basically, end up with these ear loops if you take tubes out, and it takes a while for those to, to unstretch. What's funny is is that uh, I have one of my really really good friends is a tattoo artist has his own shop, and his wife is basically covered in tattoos, and I personally love it. I mean, I I think it's great. Like if if I were on her team, if it was if it was me personally on her team, I would encourage her not to cover up. You know, whereas some people would be like, you should cover that. I'd be like, nah, man, that, that's great. That's, you know, I love that tattoo and that one, and that's cool, and your sleeve is awesome. And, and she's going to treat you like that 
creepy guy at the coffee shop that used to follow yeah, around. Like, <laughs> no, 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 dude. Yeah, if you're no. you're so into tattoos, we're all yours. You're a poser. That's all you are. No. Yeah, she would. Ex- except, for, except for the fact that I have a bunch of really big ones on me. Right. Okay. <laughs> but she could also realize you're trying to make a bridge. She's smart. Right. You know, she realizes when people are trying to get along with her. Yeah. And she will honor that, but at the same time, she's got a problem in that it's it's hard for her to communicate with people who aren't from her culture. Yeah. And you gotta understand all those tattoos on her person were not done with a tattoo gun or a tattoo needle. They're done the old fashioned way. Wait a minute. She has scarification as well, sure. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean the old fashioned way? You mean like by tapping? Yeah. If she gets in good with the team and you do something that really seals up that we really are a team, she'll want to tat everybody. Yeah, because it's a <laughs> it's like you guys, fine, you're my new family. You've accepted me in the team. Guess what? This is what I do. Um, and, lay there on the table. And it's not going to be someplace where you can hide it. Yeah. So, Bruce, what, what makes her hard to deal with? What makes her uh, a difficult member of the party? First of all, she has communication issues. Okay. She's going to say, What? Speak English! <laughs> Secondly, she's going to cross into other people's boundaries. I told you, she's a tagger. She's going to start marking up your stuff. <laughs> okay, so she she has a hard time recognizing boundaries. Yeah, uh, how, does that include personal boundaries? You have to be more specific, John. I, you know, personal space. You know, will she will she get right into your face and talk to you? You know, where her nose about a half inch away from yours? I wouldn't think so because she is used to computers, and that does tend to make you a little bit more distant in that regard. She could be, but it isn't necessary. At, at the same time, though, she's very blunt. Yeah, well, she's blunt, yeah. On the other hand is that she's also, like I said, she's very perceptive. She's interested. She sees you as an alien she, from her, but at the same time, she doesn't necessarily see you as being devalued for that. She just sees you as somebody who needs to be brought in, and that means that she's going to demand stuff of you. She's going to ask you to you know, wear tattoos. She's going to ask you to learn her vocabulary. She's going to reformat your hard drive in ways you may not particularly like. Yeah. Actually, if this is a French really team, she'll try to be the first one onto the platform when you when you guys when they leave for the platform, because that way she's first one there, she's majority language. Oh, that's true. Imagine <laughs> something that just like her little group came up with and that's the way they talk. Yeah. You know, she likes creating synthesis between things. So therefore, even if she was speaking, learned another language by going through a portal, she would still throw in English words. She would throw in, you know, uh, Indian words. If she thought the word in Eskimo for snow is perfect, and it's much better than the word you use in your language, so I'm going to use that word because it's perfect and yours is not. You should learn that word because then, you know, it's the essence of what it is that you're dealing with. It's funny because there are 17 different words for snow in Eskimo. But it turns out there are 17 different ways of describing snow. Yeah, that's what I mean. The point is, is that she's smart. She wants to integrate and she wants to synthesize, which is what is allowing is allowing her to integrate with the group. The problem is they're going to have to be patient and let her figure out how to do it. 
They can only be willing. I mean, they can do things to let her know that she they're, they're interested in doing that. But she's probably going to have to find her own way to integrate with the group. You know what she sounds like? She sounds like before she joined uh, IDET, she was either homeless or she was a avant-garde modern artist. Yeah, it's what I'm seeing. Both could be true. Yeah. <laughs> like she was part of a hacker like, culture in Europe or something, and they just, this is how they ran. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's being the female Banksy. If he's an artist in England who does mainly graffiti, you know. So from what you describe her, so like she's basically being the female Banksy. Only she's a, even more reclusive than he is. Well, I'm not familiar with that character, so it's not based on that. Character. Oh, he's he's a real person. I picked her because of her tribal aspects. After she does integrate with the group, she could easily become the leader of the group. Her leadership qualities, the fact that she is always looking around and trying to work the angles. I don't see her as a face person because of her communication issues. So if you're playing this character, what do you have to give up to get along with the rest of the party? She's going to have to be willing to cover up. Mm -hmm. She's going to have to be willing to play roles as long as she can stand it. Mm -hmm. Probably going to have to eat food that she doesn't like. Right. So she's like a mac and cheese pizza kind of person? She might be eating really weird stuff. Yeah, she's eclectic. Okay. She's going to have to honor other people's mundane experiences. She's got to be patient. She's going to have to learn to hold her tongue sometimes. Right. It's going to be hard for her. You're playing her as a character, though. Yeah. You've got this character with this really dynamic personality. Right. To build something into her personality so that you get along with everybody else. So that's what you're building into her. You're saying that... She can be patient. She can like she has all these these things that she is, but in addition to all this, she does have the capacity for patience and she does have this willingness to um to give in for the mission. In other words, she likes being French worthy. She likes traveling the French Pass. It, it provides her with an opportunity that makes her life interesting. And she likes it enough that she knows and, and she's smart. So she knows she has to play ball from time to time. There, there are things that she has to do that she's willing to sacrifice. In other words, so covering up all her tattoos, she knows that, you know what, that takes away from her individuality. But for the good of the mission, she can handle it for a while. I can see her falling in love with certain worlds or certain places in certain worlds. Like she loves going to Victorian Earth because she's going to the Congo and she can almost go native there. Goes to London, she obviously hate it because she has to get into these Victorian dresses. Well, no, no, no. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. I seem to remember that during the 1800s, it was actually kind of a craze to have facial tattoos. Wasn't that sort of a um? No, not not in England. Okay, not not that I can not that I can tell. I seem to remember uh, that there were there was this and not on women. Oh, maybe not on women. Okay, maybe not on women. I know yeah. men were coming back from colonial areas and they had had facial tattoos, yeah. and it was sort of like a, um, it was sort of like a, a kind of a hip kind of weird thing. Like it wasn't accepted in polite society, but at the same time, it kind of was because it was exotic. It meant that you went somewhere that only interesting people went. It, it made you kind of cultured in a way. I say also like certain words like she loves Golden Horde. Oh yeah, because she can yeah. she can ride the ponies. She can have she can have fun, and she and they don't mind her wearing just a top and a and a brief, set of briefs, and that's it. You know. And hey, <laughs> you know what? This might be a character that would excel in worlds like the Demixie world and the Tazeel world. She might excel better than anyone else in these worlds. Yeah, she doesn't have xenophobia. Right, right, right. Well, also the worlds that have 
the pidgin languages that, you know, the oh, it's Chinese and Arabic with, you know, some Norse grammar. She would love that because yeah. these people speak like I do. Right. It may not be the same language, but after a while, when two different people, even of straight languages, you get an Englishman and a Frenchman together, and they're around each other enough, they form their own pigeon because they learn the common ground of their language. So here's this woman. What three languages does she speak again, Bruce? Slavic, French, African, and Chinese. You find somebody with any of those component languages or anything near, after a while, she's going to be just like, when she realizes what the native tongue is, she's going to be like, oh, cool, I have to find out who these people are just so I can talk to them, just to see what their mix sounds like. And she'll probably run off and they'll be like, wait, hold it, where are you going? You know, she'll see a village off in the distance. She'll be halfway down the road by the time they get to her because she wants to find out this new language. You know, a world where the Chinese settled in Africa would be, be to her liking because you have these all these strange African languages have been mixed with Chinese. Yeah. yeah. In, in D20 terms, she would definitely be under the dedicated taking those language skills where she could have the ability just to figure out other languages just because he, she knows another language is anyway similar to it. Smart hero, not dedicated. Is that smart? Okay. Yes, that's the linguist talent. The linguist uh, talent, yeah. Yeah, under uh, yeah. savant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, she'd be... In a heartbeat, yeah. She'd be yeah, picking up yeah. new languages. If you were to use other feats from other uh, D20-type stuff, uh, daring feat, jack-of-all-tongues, one skill point for two full languages, full idiomatic or master language, an ultimate scoundrel, it would be a language every level. So, yeah, she'd be the type of person to pick those up. And D20 is actually a, a beautiful system for this because it only takes one skill point to learn how to speak and one skill point to learn to read and write in it. So... You know, if you if you were a smart character, every level you could pick up two or three languages. Yeah. yeah. Now, in Savage Worlds, the language feat will actually give you several languages, but it gives you at the pigeon level. So you you would start out at uh, what's called D four level. Right. Right. But but you know that's still you can get as many as your smart scores. If you got a D six and smart, you get six languages. Right. And I do see her as being you know being smart. You can also learn languages easier. As well, you get. You can, I, I have to look it up again. It's not in front of me right now, but it's. Yeah. You, you do get benefits from being a linguist, right? Okay, Pip did bring up something. Pip yeah. did bring up something. Uh, she said, "Well, she she was kind of like oh, I got nothing." She goes, "Well, maybe how quote unquote feminine is she? Okay. Sexually active, courting rituals. If she's this exotic physically, she might have a few ritualistic quirks." It's too easy to, to say, well, you know, because she's the wild child, she's totally promiscuous. I think that would be a, a cheap way of going with the character. And as a matter of fact, because of her chaotic nature, I think she'd have a hard time maintaining a relationship with anybody for a really extended period of time, or at least consecutively long period of time. She probably thinks of herself as being very feminine. The adornments that she has, the clothing, the piercings... A lot of those would probably be, in her eyes, feminine. So she would really appreciate it if the other team members would recognize what she's wearing was feminine or not. I think that it would probably offend her if they looked at her as being non-feminine. But at the same time, is it, I think she's also casual about her dress because she likes to uncover so much. She knows the, the, the shocking of her appearance. 
I think that she doesn't expect people to look at her in a sexual fashion like they would, like, say, a supermodel. Depending on when she's discovered, if she's discovered early on, Ida, Unita you, you and Ida are going to try to, well, you know, pretty her up for the pictures. Yeah. Oh, and they'll probably say, hey, how about if we go and just, t- you know, take the laser, uh, you know, removal on your face, <laughs> just get rid of the, some of those tattoos. And she'd be just like, oh, no. Yeah, exactly. No, you might, you know, why don't you just cut off my leg instead? And the paparazzi will be following her around just when she's not on duty. They'll be following her. Oh, here she is again doing this and this and that. So becoming fringely. Yes, she, she'll get a lot more friends with the air quotes there, but she also is going to be more in the more in the fishbowl when she's at home than she ever is when she's anyplace right. else. And that would make her re- be more retiring when she's in situations where she's surrounded by strangers who are invasive, like paparazzi. Then she'd be pulling back into a closed room so she can get on her laptop and start talking to her real friends. Yeah. If she decides to move onto the Alice Springs base, I imagine her place would be the weirdest looking place in the, ent- in the entire you know living living section of the base. You know. Yeah, but don't think that she isn't looking for love, you know, like everybody is. Yeah. She just may find it in some really unusual places. That's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. Besides the leadership role, I mean, she'd have computer skills, right? So right. She'd- She'd definitely be information, uh, someone you'd want for information handling, taking photographs, video feeds, surveillance. You know, that she would definitely be the person to put toward that. If she has a tablet, she probably has an Android that she's broken and she, she's reprogrammed to her own liking. So I'm thinking, like, um, what was her face uh, from, from Hackers? Angeline Jolie. Like that character, would that fit? Yeah, with more tattoos, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bikier hair or more cornrowed hair. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little more in general with playing with extreme characters? Okay, like, sure. like for all right. So let's let's you know kind of wrap this up with with just all of these characters in mind. When you want to play an extreme character, you're going to have to realize that the other players have to deal with you. Okay, so you're not the only person at the table. And it's great that you've made up this really intense, extreme character who has a lot of personality and everything. And that, that's awesome. Remember, everybody else at the table has made up their characters as well. Everybody likes to have fun, including the Game Master. If you've made up this character who is just making waves and making it very difficult for other people to play their characters and for the Game Master to wrangle the whole adventure in, you've not done a good job as a player. You're, you're not a good player because you're being uh, contrary you know, you're a problem in the game. You know, we all have to get along. We all have to play the game. Uh, everybody likes their character as much as you like yours. So what you've got to do is you've got to find something in this extreme character that makes you fit in. So you might be playing the cannibal, but you have to put into that character, that, that cannibal character, a desire to get along with everybody else. In other words, you will go to extreme measures not to get caught so that you don't ever have to deal with that from the other characters. If you're playing, you know, the character that Bruce was talking about, you know, you're wild and you're crazy and you do all this stuff and you have your own personal style and your style is very important to you and, and you know, you're, you're very headstrong and everything, but at the same time you have to build into that character the ability to get along with everyone else. It's the responsibility of the character to build the bridges to the other characters. Right. Right. Knowing that you're a stream character, you have to know that that's something you're going to have to do because doing something off-putting, therefore you have to do something 
on top of that to compensate. Right. After a session and no one's smiling, maybe because of your character, it's maybe time to think to rethink that character and how to play them. Or even, I'd say this, consider re- retiring them and coming up with a new character. What I'm thinking is, is, is what you want to do is, that, let's say that happens. So, okay, so, so you made this character and, and he's, you know, this character is offensive in some way to the rest of the group to the point where he doesn't get along with everybody else. So start building in things. It, it's not too late. Just because you've yeah. made the character and you've played it one or two adventures does not mean that you, that you can't yeah. build something into them. Yeah, there, there's going to be a definite fitting kind of thing. And that's good because that allows you to, just like in a real situation, there would be a synthesis going on. It also allows you to bring out new aspects of your character that might not have been in the original concept, but helps fit that character in better with somebody else. Maybe your character has a beautiful singing voice, like Scratch. Verbally, she, she has trouble communicating with others, but then she can sing. And she has a beautiful voice. And so sometimes she'll just sing songs this sound beautiful, and everybody can enjoy that, even though the rest of the time they can't understand a word she's saying. After she tags something with, with her chicken scratches, the archaeologist group stops and stares for a second and says, wait a second, that's Sanskrit. <laughs> Early Sanskrit. <laughs> Early Sanskrit, yeah. <laughs> and she might look over and smile and wink at him. Because she connected with him saying, he gets me on that level. He realizes, yeah. you know, we both have a love for language. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, uh, Scratch, is it? Scratch, yeah. Scratch, it will be a character that weird, but will, over time, will integrate in. John's character, as long as he is still productive to the team, yeah. My character, once he bonds with somebody, probably on a military level, yeah. Blix's character? Dog food. <laughs> I hate to say it, Blix, but I think John's right there. Once that little secret is found out. It's a tough character. That's why that's why um, I chose yeah. that. Because I, I figured, you know, that's one of those things that once the gig is up, man, whew. But see, that same character, because of that dark secret, might be the character who's most devoted to the idea of making connections with the other people, make them like her, make them want to be with her. She might be the one who's the big romantic in the group because she's trying to use whatever tools she has in order to make people feel like they don't want to give give her up. Right. Because the secret will finally come out. Once the secret comes out, you don't want to turn her in. You know, she's, yeah. she has made so many inroads with the group, and she's done this on purpose. It's a survival tactic. Exactly. It turns out that the party is either kind of okay with it, or you know, they'll tell her, well, just don't do it anymore. And she goes, okay, all right, I, I, I won't. <laughs> right. Pants on fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's got to go cold pork. Right, cold pork. Her, her fingers crossed behind her back. Yeah, right. At least someone's, at least someone's fingers. Right. Oh, John, dude, <laughs> she's like an alcoholic. I, I swear, I'm giving it up. Right. Yeah. Until the next time. I just got a leg in the freezer right now. I got to take care of first. No, no, she'd probably go and throw everything away. No, I got nothing. I'm completely clean. Until the next time. Right. Yeah forget who said it but you know maybe the party will join her i did 
Oh yeah, Bruce. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they'll maybe they'll be okay with it. I myself I have nothing against cannibalism as long as you're not killing your food. Right. It's just meat. I'm a biologist. She might try to engineer a situation where Hardy gets forced to become cannibals, just like she was. That could be. Well, that's very dark, John. That was sort of against the character concept that I would come up with, which that could be it. That could be part of it. And things could change over time. Right. Right. So anyway, I mean, I guess it just boils down to that, you know, if you decide to play an extreme character, make sure that the rest of the party are mature enough to uh, work with you on it and make sure that you're ready to work with them so that you can you can play the character you want to play who is extreme, but you know when to stop and where to draw the line and where to uh, make sacrifices with your character concept in order to uh, make it work with the rest of the party. So. That character can be extreme, but you've got to know where your limits are. It can only be so extreme. Right, and you want to make sure that the other players know that even though you're playing an extreme character, you are committed to achieving their character goals so that they can have a good time too. It's all part of it. One place you may actually find extreme characters is in a convention play because they're all Mm one-offs. The GM may actually make his pre-gens all extreme. And hope you play and you play them to their to their strengths, so to speak. Well, uh, well, yeah. I when I first played uh, Pathfinder at UConn back in October, November, my first character ever was a lesbian halfling rogue who was trying to impress the female half elven sorceress. I, that's what I had to do, and I had to be acrobatic and try to, you know, it's like <laughs> see that, and try to backstab the, the villain and go, you see that? I won the game because I did, but I just figured. Go with it. It was my first time. It's something I never played before, and I rolled with it. So, yeah, usually, yeah, I would say extreme characters would be good for a convention play because you're not going to honk off your other players who you're in long-term with, and it is. You do it, you're done, you go on your way. And it's a good story to tell later on to people. Yeah, I went to this convention, played this character, and when I tell the story, yeah, I'm still getting mileage off it months later. Yeah, John, I, I do like that idea. Make them one-shots for a, a convention game. Yeah, because to be honest, my group, if I was trying to make any of these characters, we, we do a lot of group think. We do a lot of communal character building. Uh, I, I couldn't do any of these characters because they would basically, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Because they want characters who who mesh with the group. It's intentional, and it's because we usually tend to play long-term play the only long-term campaign we actually don't worry about making a mesh is when we play our Mystery Men game. If you're not familiar with the movie Mystery Men, these are not too good, too great superheroes. So there, we intentionally make them not mesh well mm-hmm. with others. Right. But in most cases, if we're playing some games, we want to make sure that the characters have their roles. We have a checklist. You got to make sure you hit one of those check marks for your character. Someone's got to be the fighter. Someone's got to be the magic users. And blah, blah, blah. We right. do that sometimes. Well, that's what we're doing here. I mean, you know, she's the computer expert. The cannibal is the medical officer. You got the one guy who's the fighter. And the uh, face man. And the face man. So, again, we're really hitting all the major areas that we say are good to, for a team to be part of. You know, the, the basic skills that all teams are going to need. But then we take each of those essential roles and we give it to a character who is so quirky that it it takes a real skill and maturity in the uh, player to be able to mesh that those characters together. This would make an amazing party. <laughs> yeah, as Chuck would say, 
Janine, she's a she's the best uh, medical person we ever had. But she does like to charge her pound of flesh every so often. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. All right. So let's. I think that's it. I think we've 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 pretty much hit it. Yeah, we've we've beaten this into a into a nice uh, Malibu pub and ready for for serving and for dinner. <laughs> well, we hope you've enjoyed our foray into the extreme characters. We hope that this has caused you to think about maybe some really interesting characters you'd like to play. Talk to your group, see if they're willing to let you go that extra mile to play a character that pushes your personal envelope as well as the group cohesion and maybe make the the adventure even more exciting and we're going to have other great ideas like this and as part of our saying yes series but you're going to have to wait for that perhaps till next week and until then this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them this is john ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.